You're listening to the Detox and Chill podcast with Megan Dillon and Beck Benyon. We're two millennial women in the corporate world juggling wellness and a fast-paced lifestyle. On this podcast, we're breaking down wellness into digestible episodes that fit into your weekly routine. We're on this journey with you, learning from wellness and lifestyle experts in their fields. From our lighthearted banter, what's the appropriate amount of time to go between shaving our legs? To getting deep about everyday struggles like hormones, societal norms, and gut health, we're your podcast besties. Disclaimer, no late night text needed to detox and chill. Episode... 543. I don't even know what we're on. It's 2052, and we're <laughs> still doing the podcast. <laughs> My God, how old would we be? Oh, in 2052, we would be, like, I would be 59. Meaning? I, no. No, that's not good math. What is that? I don't know. Wait, I can't do no. math in my head anymore. Me either. Okay, 20, 2052. What year were you born? Uh, 1991. I really had to think about that for a second. You'll be 61, and I will be 63. No, you're younger than me. I will be... (laughs) (laughs) So I was right. I will be 59. I did that in my head. Yeah, you did. (laughs) I was like, no, you won't. (laughs) (laughs) I've suddenly aged way more than you have. has aged you. (laughs) I probably feel like 63 in 1952. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. Well, welcome back, everyone. <laughs> Hope you're well. Sometimes when we say welcome back, I feel like I'm about to read a very long story. Yeah. Like one of those books on tape where it's mm-hmm. like, it was a sunny day. <laughs> well, I also and... feel like we both listen to so much true crime that it's always like, yeah. welcome back. Let's dive right back right. into the... Yeah, and it's like, so-and-so was murdered at 7.59 a.m. I was listening very loudly in the shower this morning, and it was like, missing. (laughs) (laughs) This is at, like, before 7 a.m., and Mm -hmm. Dan was like, what are you listening to? (laughs) So sometimes I listen to last podcast on the left, and they're very loud. Have you ever listened to that? I, I think I might have listened once, but I need to go back to that. Yeah, so they're very, like, just, um... Their characters, the three guys yeah. that are on there, and very just animated in their voices. And so a lot of times they get excited and they start, like, yelling at each other. But not really yelling, it's more just raising their voices because yeah. they're so excited. Yeah. And so anytime I'm listening to that, John's like, why are they yelling? Like, what is wrong? I'm like, no, you don't understand. They're talking about a serial killer. And it's this is fine. why we're excited. And it's very exciting, <laughs> even though it's terrible. But this is how we cope. Seriously, Why? I feel like a lot of women our age yeah. love true crime. Yeah. And why is that? I don't I don't know. Because it's like an escape. Yeah, I feel like it's almost like, okay, we're kind of learning how to protect ourselves. Yeah. You know what? I never thought about that. Yeah. But I am a little more aware. I yeah. Would say I am too. I'm definitely more alert. Yeah. Like if I'm walking home and it's dark, I like have my keys in between my fingers, you know, or I'm just like Good for you. Not... I need to get pepper spray. I do too. I don't have yeah, any. I don't either. And also taking my headphones out if it's like a mm, you know, mm-hmm. when there's nobody around just yeah. so I can hear yeah. what's going on. Yeah. I'm definitely guilty of 
keeping my headphones yeah. in. I don't. If I run in the morning, I don't. That's smart. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I feel like true crime kind of helps us realize what's out there. Yeah, and just be prepared. And I feel almost feel safer from it. I agree. Which I, seems backwards, but... No, it, I agree. Yeah. Like, I can listen to that at home alone mm-hmm. at night and not feel... Right. ...scared, but almost feel empowered, which is weird. It is weird. And I don't think guys are into true crime as no. much. Like, John's not no. into it. Dan hates it. Yeah. Other than the um, My Favorite Murder minisodes, because those are just, like, oh, random. Oh, yeah. The stories. But, yeah. Yeah, um, John will listen sometimes if we're on a really long drive. I'm like, let's yeah. put on a podcast episode. Yeah. He's like, okay, one. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll try and choose, like, the best one, even though they're all really good. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, what? Like, there's slashings and fires <laughs> and murder. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. Exactly. Um, But it's not like a weird thing. I know. I think it's because someone's telling you the story. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's that part of it. Yeah. And I... I mean, I think you do too. Mostly listen to true crime that kind of has like a comical, yeah, like yeah. lighter side to yeah. it. Except for so Crime Junkie. Oh, that yeah. shit's intense. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we are not a true crime podcast. We are the Detox and Chill podcast, which is very exciting because mm-hmm. we are detoxing and chilling. Mm-hmm. If you had to get one of those tattooed, detox or chill? Yeah, definitely chill. Same. Where would you get it? On my butt. Same right butt cheek <laughs> for sure. We could do detox and then a tram stamp ampersand Whoa. and then chill on the other butt cheek. What would John and Dan Ooh, think? They would love it. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, so I'm getting into this episode. So it's time for the town. I'm okay, nervous now. Let's try that one more time. Okay. It's time for the, the town, town hall. So I had, it was between, I want to say like freshman and sophomore year of college. I went home and I got myself a bunch of internships. And at the time I was studying fashion. So when you're interning in fashion, depending on what you want to do and depending on where you live is kind of where you make your choice of like what part, are you going to be a designer? Are you going to be working in PR? Are you going to be working in styling? That kind of decisions. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how, but I got, actually, yes, I do, Craigslist. I got a job as a stylist assistant to an editorial stylist on Craigslist. And what that means is she was only doing magazines, so like really high-end magazines that think like W and Interview, like Ooh, well, wow. um, fashion editorials, right? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was really loving it, even though it's completely unpaid. Like everything you do is for free. Everything is for free. And it's these long, like 16-hour production days, and you're interacting with, you know, talent and models and people you perceive to be like famous people and all that kind of stuff so it's exciting which kind of like fuels it so her name was I don't know if I should say names so so (laughs) one stylist I know through this one stylist I was like look I'm really loving this and I want to pick up another internship do you have any you know colleagues or friends that are stylists that 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 need another assistant and she was like I do so she referred me to this other woman who I won't name, but she was very, very, she was, like, Swedish and very, very cold. Like, she just had this kind of Eastern Mm -hmm. European way about her where, like, she never smiled. She was never 
down to ask you something about your personal life. Like it was all very, very kind of just cut and dry. And she just, you would go to her house. She would tell you where you wanted to pull clothes from. You would go to these showrooms, you'd pull clothes and then you'd go to a shoot. Her biggest client, this is the kicker. Her biggest client was Selena Gomez. Oh my God. Right. And it was Selena Gomez. It was Selena Gomez while she was still contracted with Disney. So she was still really wholesome, but she was with Justin Bieber at the time. Mm. Like, you know, two and three days a week, I was like going to Selena Gomez's house and like people, uh, you know, in that kind of Disney community would be there. And I almost started to say her name. My boss specifically (laughs) had told me, she, she specifically told me, don't look at people, like, don't look people in the eye, and if people talk to you, don't speak back, and only oh my speak God, when no. you're spoken to. What are you supposed yes. to do? Just ignore them? Yeah, and I remember Selena saying something to me once. She, like, gave me a compliment once. I forget what it was on. I think it was, like, my shoes or something like that, and I literally, like, look, <gasps> looks at me, and she gives me, like, a face, and I know just, like, not to say anything. No. Oh so weird. <laughs> It was, it was the most, it was the most, like, I don't know, it was just such a disempowering feeling. And I was, you know, 19, 20, I was probably 19 at the time. And again, let me just reiterate, you're driving around for these people doing stuff for free for hours and hours a day. And I remember the other stylist would pay for my gas and my lunch. Oh, that's so nice. This woman, this woman didn't pay for anything. And the straw that broke the camel's back was, like, one day, I had been with them both for a year, and one day we had a shoot, I remember it was Ellen DeGeneres, Forrest Whitaker, and, like, one other person. Oh, my God. It was, like, yeah, it was all these incredible celebrities. They really were celebrities, and it was for a magazine cover, I think, with, I forget what magazine it was, but it was, like, one of those magazine covers where it's, like, a compilation of influential people, Mm -hmm. and... I was on Rodeo Drive, and we were shooting at some, some store, some, like, I forget where it was, but I was on Rodeo, which if you know Los Angeles, there's, like, no parking. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I had parked my car somewhere, and I went to move my car, and it was raining really bad, and I remember I was PMSing, like, I was, like, walking up the street, and I had gotten sick because I was, like, working days in a row, and everything was just kind of, it was just, it was, it was, it felt challenging for my 19 yeah. year old self. It all yeah. felt like it was all kind of coming down. And somewhere between like the rain and walking to my car and feeling sick, I go to text my mom and I'm like writing this really in depth, really brutal text message. Like, and I'm using, like, I'm like, I fucking hate. Oh, oh no. We'll beep it out. We'll beep it out. It's fine. Yeah. I'm like, I fucking, I, I go to text my mom and I'm like, I fucking hate whatever her name is. I'm like, she's yeah. this, she's that, she's a bitch. I'm like, she doesn't pay for my parking. And I, and the last sentence, I'll never forget. The last sentence is, she's the reason I'm always sick. And then I send it and I, I move my car. And again, like I walk back from where I move my car in the rain to the shoot. I show up like I'm drenched and like, a you know, interacting with Forrest Whitaker, like, trying to not look at him and not speak to him and just, like, <laughs> not exist. And I remember the rest of the day, she acted, like, really, really strange. She was she was just, like, I was asking her things and doing going about our normal jobs, and she was just kind of, like, not interacting with me, and I couldn't figure it out. And oh, then the no. next week... And I My stomach like, is whatever. dropping. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, and I didn't look, obviously, I thought I had texted my mom, like, I go throughout the rest of the day, don't look at my phone. The next week rolls around, I think there was a weekend, and I didn't hear from her, and then co- the other stylist, the one that was her friend, texted me and is like, did you talk to X, Y, and Z yet? And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? She was like, about the text message. And I was like, what? what? And then she sent me a screen grab. Of oh, no. Sending that text to her that she had sent her. So I didn't even know until <laughs> she told me. Oh, Just the icing on the cake. God. <laughs> so, so then I, I, I think the next week we had a shoot with Haley Duff. I'll never mm-hmm. forget it. We had a shoot with Haley Duff, and she was just like, this is your last project you're going to do with me. Honestly, like, I remember, like, strategizing, like, how am I going to, what am I going to say? And I remember even thinking I should tell her that I was on my period. That was going to be my strategy, like, (laughs) PMSing. That will definitely work. (laughs) Yeah, and then I just decided, I was like, you know what, like, this isn't for me. So she fired me and that was it. We never spoke again. Oh, Oh my God. That is my worst yeah. nightmare. I've done that before, and it's a terrible, terrible feeling when you're talking shit about oh. someone, and oh. um, you send it to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the, like that story is actually almost better told in a one-liner. It's like, I went to tell my mom that I was pissed off at my boss, and then I sent it to my boss. Like, that's yeah. pretty, I mean, it can't get any worse. I'm still hesitant. <laughs> if you guys listened to our first episode back, you know that I very... We have some disagreements. <laughs> very confidently said this segment would be called The Boardroom. However, <laughs> it is not. It is not, and that is wrong. It was never discussed. <laughs> well, it was discussed, but was not decided upon. It's true. Um, it was kind of a spur of the moment. Yeah. But thank you for that story. That was great. Yes. Um, and today's episode is very exciting. Yeah, so we are with Rachel McCluskey. McCluskey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, of Rachel Recharged on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And we had the joy of meeting her in person mm-hmm. um, at our LA event in June. And I feel like just talking to her in person, she's one of those people who you just feel like is very, like, she has such wisdom, mm-hmm. you know? Like, she's mm-hmm. so grounded and yes. calming and... Yeah. And she's only 26, which yeah. is my age as well. And she's a voice <laughs> of an angel. Mm-hmm. So we learned. So she was a singer, is a singer. Do you ever stop being a singer? I don't think Probably so. Probably not. Um, but you can look her up on Spotify. Yeah. It's crazy. And she's so good. Um, so she kind of um, went through the entertainment industry very young, mm-hmm. um, starting at age 11, I think, or 10. Yeah, it very was really young. young. Um, and she quickly realized kind of the negative side of the entertainment industry. And she shares her story with us as she um, went through um, sobriety at a very young age mm-hmm. um, and just tells us about her amazing parents who were able to support her through that and how she has kind of shifted gears since going to college, since graduating and starting her own business. Mm-hmm. Um, and she goes around and talks a lot to people, um, just giving, sharing inspiration, sharing her story, which I think is the purest form of, you know, Sharing what you've learned yeah. as you're growing up. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's just really special she was able to 
be so honest and open and I can't imagine what that time in her life was like, mm-hmm. but um, to just be able to have like a reflection upon it and understand what she learned from it and mm-hmm. how she's better for it, I just think is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you guys are going to love this one. Yes. We love Rachel. Mm-hmm. Give her a follow on Instagram. Yeah. Thank you to Rachel for talking to us and sharing your time with us. Yes. And, yeah. Enjoy the episode. Bye, guys. Goodbye. Welcome back, everyone. This week, we're so excited. I feel like some of the episodes that we've released, you can tell we made some awesome friendships um, on our trip to L.A., and we're so excited for this week's guest. Um, Her name is Rachel McCluskey, and we were introduced by the lovely Jess, who we hosted our LA event with. Um, She does so many things, you guys. It's crazy. (laughs) I don't know how you keep it all together and look fabulous in your workout clothes, but um, she is the founder of Recharge Wellness, and she's also a coach at two separate fitness studios. Um, and yeah, so we'd love to just get started, Rachel. Um, we love to give our guests the opportunity to kind of introduce themselves, um, you know, and, and let our listeners get to know you a little bit. Yeah. Well, thank you guys, first of all, so much for having me. I'm so excited and it was so awesome meeting you guys in person, um, at the event in LA And yeah, I mean, you guys kind of covered the most of it. Um, I am a boxing coach and a spin instructor. I've been teaching fitness for over five years. And I am also the founder of Recharge Wellness, which is a, I host events and retreats all over the country for women. Amazing. Um, And I feel like, I mean, that's just, touching the surface of who you are so um as we've been researching you and as we've learned more about you as we've gotten to know you I feel like you have such a rich past um and the things that you've been through I think not a lot of um 26 year old you're 26 right 26 Mm -hmm. not a lot of 26 year olds have gone through that I'm 26 and I certainly haven't um so can we kind of go back to Um, your teenage years and how you grew up and how that's um, shaped who you are today? Yeah. So I feel like it's so funny. Anytime I talk about like where I was and where I am now, I do feel like I have like two lives. Um, And so I was born and raised in Chicago and my entire family is in the music industry. So my dad is radio promotion. My sister is an agent and my mom is a model. So I grew up in the entertainment industry, and that was really all that I needed. I think it would have been very weird if I told my parents I wanted to be like a lawyer. Um, there was one t- one point where I wanted to be a wedding planner, but that was just because of J-Lo. Um, <laughs> and I have to say, like, now I am planning events, so maybe, I, maybe J-Lo really stuck with me, but... Um, yeah. I, I could sing and I loved writing music. So I started doing that when I was 11 and I did that for eight years and it was so incredible and such an amazing chapter in my life. I don't talk about it as much as I used to because there's evidence out there and it was a very like teenage pop kind of music and it's just kind of fun <laughs> to now. We were um, just 
listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> Confession. We said I'll come into work sometimes and my music video will be playing and I'm like, we this is not allowed. Like we can't <laughs> have mouth. Um I was like 15 or 16 when we filmed it. It's so funny. Um but yeah, so I did that for eight years and kind of the transition. Um, and I know we can talk a little bit more about this, but I ended up getting sober when I was 15. So that was like a big life thing that really shifted me and who I was and what I was, you know, aiming to be. And I, I, when I was 19, I decided to take a year off of music. I had moved to Los Angeles. I was in college and I was like, you know, something's just not like sitting well, like something just I like, I need a break. And in that break, I started teaching Zumba because I had danced for many years and I loved dance. And I just wanted to, I saw these like older women teaching classes at my gym and I was like, I could do that. That'd be a fun college job. And (laughs) I fell in love with teaching. I fell in love with the connection that I would get with what I would have with people all the time. And my goal with music was always to help people through lyrics and music and all of that. And I felt like there was only so much I could ever say. And then I would walk into this fitness class and I teach in a very, mm, I definitely don't teach in the sense where I'm telling you to like get on the floor and do a hundred pushups and yell at you. Like it's Mm -hmm. a very, I would say it's a holistic approach and I do want people to really connect with their mind and their body. And, and it's, it can be a really spiritual and an emotional experience if you allow it to be. And I really try to make every class a cathartic experience. And I teach at studios that allow that. So um, I, a year after college, I was like, I think I'm going to, to give this a go. I was in the music industry on that side for a little while in the business and had some great jobs there. And I was like, okay, I can't sit at a desk. These jobs are really great, but I, I am not built for it. And I actually do really well. It's so funny. Like I have a little home office and I do so much better when I have my own tasks than I do sitting somewhere for eight or nine hours a day. Yeah. That world, it was like 12 hours a day. Um, And I just do so much better in this setting. And so I I was going to give myself a year and my family was all pretty skeptical because they didn't know anything about teaching full-time fitness. It's also a lot in the beginning to kind of find your way and find a way to make enough money to live, especially in LA. Um, And it took some time and I really was able to lean into that strength and be able to help people in a different way. So I gave you a lot of information, I think probably more than I needed to, but, um, but yeah, that's kind of the long story short of where I was and where I am now and how it kind of all blended together. So the year off of music became many years. And I think, I don't think I'm going back, but I do get to use, use music every day in my classes, which is really awesome. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I, and I feel like so many of our listeners can connect to so many different um, pieces of your story. I think for us, what I'm connecting with right now is when you mentioned taking a break and just having that realization that you needed to step away from something. Yeah. Um, this episode will come out and we're recording during our break. We still love it, but we just felt like we needed a month to get our creativity back and kind of go back to our roots. Um, so love that you were able to realize that and 
take a step back as well. At such a young age. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's a, a big decision. Totally. And it was scary too, because at 19 in the world that I was in, which was pop music, like 19, I felt old. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah (laughs) wild right and it's funny I still sometimes get into that mentality where I turned 26 and I was like oh my gosh like this is like I I gotta make some big life moves coming soon it's like I'm just fine but I was Mm -hmm. like starting at 11 I felt like I needed to be ahead of the curve and I needed to to make sure that I was a pop star by 15 Mm -hmm. um and (laughs) that led me to other things but Um, it was, there's just a lot of pressure around age in that world, especially with pop. And I wasn't one who like looked really young at, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of, I think Disney was kind of the, the biggest thing, um, when I was that age that I was looking at, there were some people, some girls who were 30 who looked like they were 16 and that wasn't my experience. So I did feel like it was kind of a race against the clock. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is like the pressure at certain ages to do certain things. Um, And I grew up in a pretty religious household and the pressure to like get married young, start a family, um, you know, career wasn't a huge thing. Um, Luckily, my parents um, were smart enough to tell me that I needed to have a career and go to college and all of that. But, um, it's just, it's interesting to me, um, different cultures and, um, different, you know, industries that kind of push you in one direction and kind of put you in kind of this place where you feel stuck if you don't do certain things by a certain age. And, you know, my, some of my friends are still experiencing that, you know, they're 27, 28, they don't, they're not really dating, um, but they feel like they're so old and like they've made comments where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get married. But I'm like, you have so much time. And so it's like different things like that where it's like, okay, you don't have to figure out your career when you're 18 years old going into college. Like you have so much time, even if you're 35 or 40 and you want to switch careers, like there's time. Yeah. I love that because I feel like that's a conversation I have with friends of mine all the time. And most of my friends are older than I am. And since I was, when I was 15, my best friends were like 28, 25, 29. And so I was like, when I was getting a little bit old, like just a couple years older than that, I was like, oh, so I should be getting married soon. Right. Like (laughs) all of them were. So I was like, oh, I think what I'm supposed to do. And it's so funny now being 26. I'm like the thought of having a child. I thought I wanted to be like 24 having kids. Yeah. I was like 11 and I was like at 21, I will be married and pregnant. And I'm like, what? Why does our society make us think that that's like normal? Like the end game. Yeah. No. And I think like there was always this idea about being a young mom and like, oh my gosh, I can't even fathom in the next five years what that would look like. So it's so interesting to see it shift. And I'm actually really grateful that it has, um, because that's still something that I value and that I want, but it's really taken a lot of pressure off of it. And then on the career side, it's like, yeah, I switched my career when I was 19, which is so funny to even say the word career at 19, but Um, but I feel like I have so many people that I see 
around me that are that are 10 years, 15 years older than that who are making shifts. And I just think it, there's no time that's too late to do that. Like there's no time then other than the present to just try something or I, I never think anyone should be miserable at their job or should be miserable in any area of their life. And if there's something that you're looking for, maybe you don't have to leave your job. Maybe it's a hobby and mm-hmm. maybe you try something new, but I just feel like if there's something that you want to do, there doesn't have to be an age that defines it. Right. Yeah. Or comparing yourself to where other people are at in their timelines. Like everyone is different and you know, what works for some people doesn't work for other people. And you can't, you can't get into that game of like, oh, well, you know, this person who I grew up with is doing this, this, and this, but I'm doing this. It's so easy though. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to get caught up in that. Yeah. And I, I mean, a lot of my friends are engaged, married, kids, and then a lot of friends I even went to high school with, like serious, serious boyfriends are engaged, some married. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's, it's really, it's pretty unfathomable to me. Um, the, at least the marriage and kids part, but, um, so to each their own, like that's incredible. Um, there's just, you know, I, I think for me at this age, it's like a time where I'm really taking advantage of being a little bit more selfish to be Mm -hmm. able to create something that won't take quite as much of a hustle in like five years. Right. So that's the way I've had to look at it. But we all have different things that we really value. If you if your goal and your mission is to be a mom, then like go for it. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about too just like how much I've grown in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Like you think about like college Meg was a different <laughs> a different girl than I am now. And even compared to like a year ago, I just feel so different. So I don't know. It's being in a relationship too, I feel like you have to find that person who's going to grow along with you. And that's so much easier said mm-hmm. than done. The support in, I mean, that's like something that's kind of a non-negotiable. It's like there has to be, like, I feel like you just need a cheerleader at this stage in your life because there's going to be so much, so many changes in your twenties and Um, I mean, who I was when I was 20 to 22 to 24 to 26, it's like, it's just consistent self-discovery. And I mean, I started my business on accident, to be honest with you. And, and it's like incredible. I mean, I have a really amazing support system in my life and I'm so grateful for that, um, to just have always felt really supported in trying anything and being okay with failing, but Mm -hmm. attempting to try it. And just see what happens. And and that's, you know, but there's the changes of, oh, my gosh, when I was 20 to now um, is really crazy. Yeah. And I'm curious, how did you, so you're from Chicago, you live in L.A. So how have you been able to navigate kind of being away from family um, and still, like, kind of remembering that part of your history and, like, keeping in contact with them and, um I know for us, like we're, we're far away from our families too. And like, sometimes it's hard. So how, like, what's your advice on navigating that? Oh my gosh, it's so hard. Um, I actually almost moved back to Chicago a couple of years ago because I wanted to be with my family. Um, I also love Chicago as a city. It's just like, I was born and raised there. I lived there and then I lived in Massachusetts, um, for under two years. And then I moved back and, 
the goal of knowing that this is where I was going to live. I had told my parents that we should all move there. Um, <laughs> like I could go to a new school. It'd be really fun. And, <laughs> you know, I'm, I have a really close relationship with my parents and my sister. And, but my mom is like my, my best friend. Like we are just like, we could spend all day on the phone. And I mean, it's a lot of like phone calls and FaceTimes and, like, I need to talk to you and, or like, I need to go home or I need you to come here. And that's happened over, I've lived here for eight years and there's been a couple of times where it's like, I just really need to go home or I really need someone to come here. And, uh, yeah. like Thanksgiving last year, I was the first year, I think I didn't go home. And I said, one member of the family is going to come be with me on Thanksgiving. You guys decide who it is. Uh, <laughs> Because I didn't want to be by myself. So it is yeah. definitely, it's a challenge. And I think that we do all kind of make a pretty good effort to, my dad works out here quite a bit. So I see him, I'll go home every once in a while. They'll come out to visit. Um, so we do make an effort, but it's, it's really hard. I mean, I moved out here knowing no one mm -hmm. and, and really had to, I've built such an incredible family out here now, but it took time and, um, Every time I go back to Chicago in the summer, I'm like, why don't I live here? This is crazy. Then I go back in the winter and I'm like, this is why, like, this is oh, it. Yeah. I couldn't That's do it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I think, you know, you touched on it, but having a support system away from your family is so important. And I think I was surprised when I moved. So I didn't grow up in Boston, but when I moved to Boston, I don't know what I expected. I feel like you know, throughout the course of your life in school and then your life in college, you're presented with so many just easy opportunities to make friends. And everyone has similar interests that you're with if you're like in the same classes or if you, you know, join a sorority, all of that kind of thing. So it's kind of like friends are mm -hmm. so available. And I think I thought when I moved to Boston that it was just going to be super easy and a natural transition like it had been at other points in my life. And it totally was not. Totally. And I had such a hard time at first. I think, you know, you have people you know at work. But to me, that's different than having like those close relationships, totally. especially ones like, you know, I'm friends with with um, women that I've grown up with over the years. Right. So I think it's it's so great that you have that community now that you've built. Um, but yeah, it, just, it, t it takes a long time. And I feel like sometimes people forget that when you move to a new city. You know, it's it's so funny. I feel like I could talk for hours about making friends in new cities. I had gone to boarding school. I had been the new girl several times um, in my childhood. And so when I moved out here, I kind of knew, like, I, I have to ask women to, like, get coffee with me. And I don't really care if they say yes or no. Like, I have to be okay with it. And I'm I'm very much so an advocate for asking someone to be your friend. I have multiple friends because I was like, hey, I really feel like we should be friends. Let's grab dinner tomorrow or something like that. And um, I've met friends on Instagram. Like, I, I feel like if you connect with someone or you feel something in that way, I mean, it's like dating is the same yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Like, 
And when I moved here, I was like, I need close girlfriends. And I really wanted them like right away. And it was hard to be patient to build relationships with people. And, you know, that it's going to take time to have that. Like, we don't really have to do anything, but we can just sit at my house on a Friday night and TV. (laughs) It takes a long time to get there. And, you know, the friends that I made when I first moved here are not necessarily friends that I still have because we all evolve and change. But I do, I mean, I feel like I have the most incredible people in my life and I'm really grateful for that. Um, And I also think that where you are really attracts who you surround yourself with and, um, and people who are like-minded or people who are totally different, but supportive. And it's, yeah, it's really wild. If you ever move to a new place, it's, it's scary, but it is also, it makes you get so uncomfortable to mm-hmm. yourself in front of new people. And, um, it forces you to do that. And I think that that helped me grow so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'd love to kind of take a step back a little bit too, and touch on something that you mentioned earlier. So you mentioned that, you know, you started your music career at 11, which is so young. I can't even imagine at 11 yeah. years old. What, what grade is that? That's like, like fifth grade. Fifth grade. It must be. I oh gosh, I'm. I was always uh, really bad with grades and ages. <laughs> so I could remember. Tell you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but then, so you mentioned that you were also sober at 15, which I feel like at 15 for me, I was like, what are what is alcohol? Like oh, what yeah. you know? Like yeah. and so I'd love to know how that kind of um, all happened um, and how you feel about it now. Yeah. So um, I was. I was young. I probably started drinking when I was like 13 and maybe 12. I was really young. Um, and it just, for me, like it, it took off really quickly. I was, I was in a pretty dark place at one point and, and then it just got darker with alcohol ultimately. And it got to a place where I didn't know what else to do. Like I needed it. And, and it's really hard to describe the progression, but it just, it was like zero to a hundred. Like I had my first drink and then it was like, I don't really know how to live without this. And I was so young and a lot of people, you know, ask like, oh, do you think you could drink now? And like, absolutely not. Like my intention with drinking was to not feel anything. And, (laughs) and that was exactly how I drank and it was really scary and it was really ugly. And, um, you know, it's like I had to drink to be in social situations. I had to drink to just feel okay in my skin. And, you know, my parents, I'm so, so lucky, did an intervention when I was really young. Um, I was 15 and um, I went to a treatment center and I got sober and it took a little while to stay sober, but I did end up getting sober at 15 and it's been 10 years now, which is wild. Um, And Thank you so much. Um, that was kind of one of those milestones when I was really young. I was like, there's no way I would ever stay sober for that long. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have to say that my my job and like where the wellness world in, in LA is really supportive of that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't have a whole lot of friends that like are crazy partiers. And that's kind yeah. of just based on you know, and, and, and if you are great, like there's nothing wrong with it. Um, it just doesn't work for me. Like I can't go to work. I can't function. I can't do anything. Um, like I missed a bunch of my finals in high school because I was, um, 
I was drunk. So it, um, you know, it's like that, that's not something that works for me. If it does work for you, then power to you. Um, but you know, the people I surround myself with are just so supportive and so understanding. And, you know, I'm so grateful. I mean, my biggest thing is that I get to show up a hundred percent of myself every day. There is never going to be a time where you get, any part of me that's like tainted or a little bit off, like depend. I mean, emotionally, of course, we can all go through things and not be super present, but mm-hmm. uh, it will never be tainted by a substance. And that's something that that I'm really proud of and really grateful for. And I teach at six a.m. a lot of days, and so it's like mm-hmm. I have to go to work hungover and any of and any of that. So I am I'm really really grateful and. That was something when I was that young, um, I wasn't even like 21 yet. Like my dream was to, was to be 21 and doing all of those things that 21 year olds do or what I thought that they did. And, um, and you know, it's just, it's so different than, than what I had thought. And, but it really, it's, it's just a big circle of gratitude when it comes back to it, that, that it all kind of worked out this way. Yeah. I, I feel like you know, you being so young that a lot of parents would be like, you know, I feel like it'd be easy to push it under the rug and not address just because Mm -hmm. like you're scared of what's happening as a parent and you don't really know what to do. So I know you mentioned your parents are such a huge support system, but like, wow, hats hats off to them because that's pretty incredible to like navigate with you were 15, right? Mm-hmm. With a 15 year old. Mm-hmm. How did, how did they like, how did they do that? Do you even remember like that part? Oh yeah. Um, you know, so this is their business, but they wouldn't care if I shared it, but they're both sober. So they've both been sober many, many years. And since before I was even around. And so they kind of saw the signs before, I think it would be really different for another parent to have seen it the way that they were seeing it. But they, they were, you know, my, I just remember my dad looking at me being like, you're going to die. And, and he, because he knew because he'd been there. And so, um, you know, it's, it's not fun when you're trying to drink at a young age and your parents are sober because there's no alcohol in the house. (laughs) (laughs) But then, you know, when they, when they came to me, Um, you know, they did it with my therapist and I was miserable too. Like by no means was it against my will. They were really, really, I I was ready. Um, I just needed the push. And so, and I trusted them too. You know, I was 15. So I say I trusted them now, but at the time it's like, oh, mom and dad, like I, you know, like I'm a a kid. Um, I was also like an annoying teenager. Um, but I really think deep down, I trusted them and it was a way out of living the way that I was. And, but I do think I was at a huge advantage that they could see the signs probably a lot earlier than someone else could. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, how lucky to be, to have parents like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, I mean, this, these kinds of things to Meg's point, um, when kids are going through this stuff, it's not really talked about. It's kind of pushed under the rug and, you know, people like feel ashamed of it and they don't really talk about it. So kudos to you for talking about it and hopefully it can help others in similar situations. Absolutely. Um, so 
we are just so grateful to you, Rachel. Um, so just before um, we run out of time, can you just tell us about your business now, what you're doing with Recharged? Yeah. So I'm in the retreat heavy season. So there's three retreats in three months. Um, and which is crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. After just one, Beck and I were like down for the count. I feel like, <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm really lucky. I'm partnering with some really awesome women. Um, so within four months, there will be three weekend retreats and two, uh, pop-up events in LA. So, um, it's a lot, but it's also incredibly rewarding to just be able to be around so many women. And it's funny because I have to sub out of my classes when I go on these retreats and people are like, oh, how was your vacation? I'm like, I worked from <laughs> morning till night. Like it's, it's, yeah. a lot, it's a lot more work than teaching two classes a day. Yeah. Um, but it's really so incredible. And each of them kind of have their own theme, like the one in Chicago I'm doing with uh, several women there and we're we have a, an aura reader and birth charts and some really incredible workshops and a yoga inversion workshop and then Jess and I are doing one in Palm Springs that is focused on you know we have these incredible chefs coming and there's going to be mindful eating and I am actually this is really exciting but I've been formatting a class for the last year that works off of a moving meditation that I created that I do at my events. So I'm creating a class based off of that, which will be one of the places I'll be doing it. And then Joshua Tree is just magical within itself. So it doesn't even need much formatting other than being there. Um, but that's kind of where it's going now. I'm at the place where it's becoming a lot of work for one person. So next year I'm hoping to build a team um, to be able to not have to be present at each retreat that I put on. Um, but it's scary for sure be, being in that place where I'm really excited to build but also have never had someone other than yeah. like a helper or a volunteer. So it is different, but that's where it's heading right now. Um, so, which is exciting, but definitely a, it'll be a new stage for sure. Yeah, a new chapter. That's so exciting. We're so happy for you. We love seeing where things are going for you. Um, so we can't wait for our listeners to learn more about you as well. Thank you. And Rachel, where can everyone oh, yes. find you? So across the board, it's Rachel Recharged. Uh, Instagram, Rachel Recharged. Website, rachelrecharged.com. And email if you want to get a hold of me is Rachel Recharge at Gmail. So pretty, pretty on brand. <laughs> yes. Um, and we'll link everything in the show notes. It'll all be there for you to click on and check out. Um, so as always, um, you can find us at detoxandchillpodcast.com on Instagram. Um, let us know if you have any feedback. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Thank you.